Hello good people and welcome to the Brunswick Beer Collective uh, and this is our style season. I am Chris Shorten, with me is Geoffrey Chee. Afternoon. And with me is Paul Christoph. How are you? And this week we are talking about IPAs and I almost said pale hours but don't worry we'll get to pale hours. So we're talking about IPAs and I feel like IPA is one of those, it's one of those styles where they're just, you know, like I've told the story of how when I got back from uh, Indonesia after having nothing but um, Bintang Pilsners, and all I wanted was just, I just wanted an IPA. I just wanted that hoppiness. I just wanted that, that, that flavor. And it's, it's amazing how, how nice it is just to find it when you do. It, you know, it feels very comforting. Um, but the IPA itself, that's... It, it's gone through, you know, it's everything from double IPAs, there's Nipahs, there's, although we won't cover Nipahs here, there's red IPAs, there's whatever. Um, boys, let's just start with something simple. What would you say your favourite IPA is? Sculpin. Mmm, good thinking. Mmm, Sculpin is good. Grapefruit Sculpin. Mmm, give that away from me. You? Yeah. I always, I really do like the fixation IPA, though I'll admit one of my favourite is the West Coast IPA from Hawkers. Oh yeah. But I think it's just, uh, I think it's overlooked, but it's a really solid, you know, you pick it up and you know that you're going to get something good. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I sort of, I sort of reflex say Sculpin, and I, I, I agree, I think, I think the Grapefruit Sculpin is, is the preferred Sculpin, but also I think a lot, a, a lot of like the top end particular West Coast style IPAs, they actually do taste relatively similar. I do yeah. find it a bit hard to differentiate between them over time. Yeah, um, I mean... Because they're brewed with similar hops, they're brewed in a similar ABV, they're mm. brewed by, you know, similar climate, all that sort of thing. Wine pick. That's uh, another yeah. one of my... Ah, uh, yes. Yes, like good call. River, obviously. I prefer it to Pliny. It's yep. a fantastic beer. Good call. And I should, I should flag that were we won't cover Nipahs on this episode because I feel like there's so much stuff about Nipahs anyway. So we'll do that for a future episode. Yep. But fair enough. So I was trying to think before about when I had my first IPA, and I really can't remember when I had my first IPA. It's not like with a lager where it can just sort of just pl uh, pluck it out of the air. It's like it was a VP. Um, anyone have any ideas? Oh, I. That's a really good question. I would not know. I mean, I would assume I must have tried one when I was in the UK, maybe, but I wouldn't even remember what it could be. Yeah, I think for me, it definitely would have been after I started the Craft Beer Odyssey in 2012, 2011, 2012. But I think, yeah, I remember drinking a lot of pale ales, a lot of ESBs, and a lot of ambers. First IPA does escape me at this point in time. Um, I mean, yeah, that's the only problem with not having had untapped uh, further back than 5,536 5, years ago. Which is, which is, I think, pretty rude. I mean, although, um, in saying that, you know, Jeff did put me on to, what was it, that, that documentary, Beer Tickers? Yes, that's right. Which was like, you know, pre-untapped, um, just people had loads of notepads. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, the dude just carries this giant book around. I guess that would have made it 
a lot easier than um, than trying to do it mm. in this way because you could have just gone to you know it would have been on the first few pages I presume. But Jeff, are you going through your entire untapped? I am trying to. Yeah, I think I can. I think I can figure out the answer to the yeah. question that was so just I've, asked. So I filtered my untapped by date, old to new, and only beers that are IPAs. Interestingly, mm. that brings up one thousand two hundred seventy-four beers. So about 20% of all the beers I've checked into Untapped hmm. are IPAs. But the first, first um, and this could very well be it, the first IPA that, that I put into Untapped was the Punk IPA, Brewdog. Uh, yeah, that, that was, makes sense. That was October 9, 2013. So I've clearly had IPAs before then, but it's not unreasonable to assume that would have been one of the first. Interestingly, um, you can tell we're definitely into craft beer. So first five IPAs checked into Untapped were Punk IPA, Kaiju Aftermath, First Frontier by Two All, Real Ale Anniversary Eight by Bira del Borgo, and All Day IPA by Founders. So that's mm. an interesting uh, first five <laughs> IPAs to check. Yeah, in. well, I've got I've got the Crossbreed Gypsy and the Goat, which was a goat black IPA. I've got the Hoppinator by Holgate, which was that ridiculous ten point four percent thing. Ridiculous. Sink the Bismarck. Ah, yes. 40, <laughs> a sneaky little 41%. Uh, Modus Operandi by Scar Brewing. Um, no, not by, not Modus Operandi. No, not the Scar by no. Modus Operandi. Uh, the Mount Hood by McKellar. And then the 8 Ball Ryan IPA by Beaverton. I must have been in the UK around then, I think. This is another one that could potentially be it, actually, is the uh, Hot Bazooka from Southern Bay. Oh, I remember Hoppers. Yeah, that's one. Ah, yes. I possibly could have, would have had that before Untapped, and that could have been one of the first IPAs that I've had. So, again, I can't remember mine, but I reckon my dad, because my dad used to homebrew, I reckon he had, like, the Cooper's tin for IPAs. And I distinctly have a memory of that. Um, but in saying that, I can't remember eating, like, eating, drinking my first IPA. I mean, if you ate your first IPA, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have found out the hard way. So, uh, to in preparation for the, this episode, I actually typed in to Google um, the history of the IPA, and thankfully, the Guardian has already done most of the research for me. Uh, though there was an article based on something else, but basically, um, and you probably already know this in one way or another. But the IPA, the India Pale Ale, is based on this concept of making a pale ale which could survive all the way to India. And so it was more robust, it was, um, uh, let's see, how is it worded? Oh, it's actually interesting, it's um, in the, according to the Guardian, in the 1780s, a London brewer called Hodgson answered the call by sending out a strong, heavily hopped beer called October Ale. Uh, which is interesting because the Boat Rocker and Goose Island collaboration was also an October ale that would normally be aged like wine before drinking. The beer not only survived the journey, but was found to have improved uh, improved immeasurably. And that was a prototype IPA, which gra- uh, the beer gradually became paler and more refreshing to suit the Indian climate. Which is, uh, it's, it's odd because I feel like uh, I've... I know that was a story I was told when I was a kid or when I was you know, younger. Um, and then I feel like somebody else had um, said to me, no, 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 that's not actually how, how it happened at all. And so I didn't actually know that that was, you know, I, I, I assumed there was another story to it. And this was just like something that we colonists sort of came up with. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there, I mean, you know, I think there's, 
you're never going to be able to go back and definitively prove one way or the other kind of what the origin was. But I think, yeah, I think it's commonly accepted. I think, I think it is right. Like, you know, the, uh, the, just the extra ops and the extra booze would have just made it, yeah, more mm. hearty. But other styles of beer also got shipped quite successfully from mm. the UK to either India or, say, over to California, like yeah, porters, yeah. like, would transport quite point. well. Um, so, you know, so it's not the only way that you could solve this problem of needing to get beer, you know, from, from, from the motherland to, to the colonies. It just happened to be this one. Yeah. But, and, I mean, it goes through, you know, the article goes through a few things, how pretty much everyone, um, um, everyone sort of just ripped, uh, ripped off this one guy's recipe for a while. Um, and then, uh, basically, pro uh, it says a proper IP actually um, began to die out, and it wasn't until the craft brewers in the States started recreating forgotten British styles that um, IPAs really came into the, into the fore in the 70s. And I think that goes back to, do you guys uh, remember, um, uh, what's his name from Lagunitas? Tony. Tony. I was, Tony. I was yeah, trying to look up, I was trying to look up that story and I can't but find it. And um... How he basically, um, uh, you know, he, d he made an IPA, but he didn't want to call it, uh, uh, but he didn't want to call it an India parallel, so he just like made it the brand just itself, IPA, big words. Yeah. Yeah. Or big letters and that's it. Because he didn't want to confuse people with something complicated. It wasn't, he's saying he originally, Ipper as well, was saying some people call it Ipper and mm, mm. there was never, like, no thought was given to the, if it should be, because it's styled as Ipper, not mm. IPA. Everyone says IPA. But it does make you wonder, though, how much uh, how much the style has changed from that initial like recipe. Well, I think it's changed a lot because you know if you think about a lot of the um, the British IPAs, especially ones that get poured off hand pump, like your Green Kings and stuff, they're all three and a half to four percent, which is completely different to the American IPA, which mm. now would be sort of you know six to seven percent would be standard for an American IPA. It's a very good point. And yeah. I've just figured out what my first IPA would have been. It's definitely down to one of two things. Go. It will either be the Beast IPA by Jamison's Brewing. I don't even know if they still exist anymore. No. Um, no or the 55. Oh, the 55 by Raven, is that a pale or an IPA? Yeah. 55 by Three Ravens? Oh. It's a, pale it's a pale. It's a pale. Right, so it's definitely the Beast IPA then. There you go. But, okay, do Jamison still exist? I reckon I saw them. I saw them like at a festival somewhere. Um, Jamison's Brewery. Because I remember thinking it's like, oh, Jamison's the like the spirit. Well, the the Beast IPA is no longer in production, no longer in business apparently. Okay. According to Untap, so there you go. But um, they're just they're making what is it? Did Jamison's make whiskey? It's whiskey, isn't it? Yeah, so that's yeah, the uh, that's yeah. the Irish Jamison's. Mm. Yeah. Totally the same company. Of course. Um. So yeah, I think I I think it's I mean I when I started mapping out this season. I started thinking. Well, okay. Are you do you have to do? You've got an you've got an IPA, and then uh, do you put black IPAs in there? Do you put um, red IPAs in there? I mean, what? I feel like it's one of these styles where it's so diverse in terms of what it can what it actually turns into. I mean, I guess you do. I mean, you've obviously sieved off the Nipa to one side, mm. which is more just to do with the the hilarious the, cultural yeah the Nipa the Nipa culture. But mm. I think you know. Black IPAs, red IPAs, mm. they all, mm. I think they can all, you know, we should be able to reasonably discuss mm. all of mm. these things uh, under, this, under this banner. Now, this is interesting. The first ever use of the term India Pale Ale, guess which country? Uh, I've seen the answer, so I'm not uh, going to guess. Australia. What? 
Yep. Sydney. The, ad, the advertisement for East India Pale Ale in the Sydney Gazette and New South Wales Advertiser, Saturday, August 29, 1829. Yes. On sale at the stores of AB Spark, rum, brandy, and Geneva in Bond, Taylor's and East India Pale Ale, and lists a whole bunch of other things that are also <laughs> available. Tenerife wine, superior port and sherry in bottle, red wine in cask. Madeira wine in pipes and hog shreds. Hog shreds? A hundred gallons still. An invoice of books. An invoice of the finest wearing apparel from the house of Mrs. McCullough and Sons in London. <laughs> Stored salt, plates, drill, second. Flannel, slops, tablecloths. Wait, wait, what are we talking about now? Just the things that were on sale at stores of A&B Spark in Sydney. As well as in East India Power. East India Power. Doesn't reference which brand. It's there you go. Coopers? Were Coopers around there? It's probably Bass or someone. Right. So, I mean, that's that's the that's IPA in a nutshell. But I think we should actually drink some. Sounds like a plan. And we are back, and we're on to we're on to a beer that is. A very, it's a personal favourite of mine. We, it was, there was a garage project tap takeover here a few weeks ago, and they had this on tap. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I had wine. Uh, there were loads of other ones. I kept saying, I kind of just want the unconditional love again. It's yes, this is the unconditional love from Garage Project, and it is a West Coast IPA, and it's got an awesome can with. Uh, I don't know, is there, I mean, they call it a mixtape IPA. Do they have a load of mixtape? Um, no, is this the I, don't, only one? I don't think so. I think that's just... That's just their style? Well, I think the mixtape is just the reference to Unconditional Love more than anything else. Okay. I suspect. I understand. Um, it's got a, a massively cool can. It's um, my mix my mixtape IPA for you. Old school West Coast classics for your drinking pleasure, Westside. And um, on side A, it has um, intro, unconditional love. Two, uh, got a clean malt grist, feature pilsner and carapils. Uh, uh, three, yeah, I'm bitter. Four, all about the hops, US mix. Uh, there's no five. Um, six is upfront warrior. And then on side B, we have strictly for my hop heads, uh, late, late edition feet uh, centennial. Uh, two, Hoppin' Don't Stop, uh, the Dry Hop Edition, Feet Citra and Equinot. Three, Hop Aroma, two, four, two die four. And four, Pour Out a Little, or just straight from Duckan. Good work, Garage Project. Um, so, interestingly, speaking of breweries that do do a series of beers called Mixtape, um, one of the was one of my of many of my favorite IPAs, Stone. Mm. They have a mixtape series, which is not um, not IPAs necessarily. It is da, 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 Stone mixtape ale series blending. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Team Stone collaborates on special blends falling far outside the norm. Ultra rare. 
yeah. So there you go. It looks like they're up to about number 17 right now. Okay. Yeah. But, um, first impressions, people. Tastes like a tastes like an IPA. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, poppy. Mm. Um, yeah, I like the I like whatever. Yeah, again, I don't really pay attention to the hops that are in these things, but yeah, whatever hop blend is, I quite like. But what is it that makes? What what is? I mean, I, I know West Coast when I drink it, but does anyone know what makes a West Coast IPA? It's probably to do with using those. Oh, so those hops, the, the, yeah. The hops that come from that part of the world, I guess. Has to be, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the old, the old internets. It's good for that. Mm, mm. Comes up. So, so West Coast and Midwest IPAs are the two most popular styles of state. West Coast IPAs focus on hops and lots of it. Yeah. Traditionally, you want the malt flavour and hop flavour to work together. In West Coast IPAs, hops are the shows. So it's not... So it's not specifically about the hops, the variety of hops, it's just... It's more hop-driven. More hop-driven. But um, most of the hops used in do come from Yakima in Washington. Oh, okay, I understand. Simply because, yeah. Mm, That's what they have. Yeah, and Midwests are more balanced. Yes, yeah, so West Coast IPAs are geographically closer to the hop farms in the United States. So that kind of makes sense as to why they would use more of those. And I, I always feel like whenever I have a West Coast, it kind of, I, I always think that there's like that slight hint of lactose to it. Okay. But like that, so that's what gives it that extra sort of like definitive West Coast flavour. But I know, I've always, I know there isn't any lactose in it. Yeah. But it always, I always think to myself, it just always seems like lactose. Um, you know, oxytocin, possibly. Yes, oh, definitely yeah. oxytocin. All about the oxytocin, mm. for sure. Um, what are people saying about this beer? What are people saying about it? Uh, Robert H. in Q has a resinous thickness to it. Big fruit and hops, 3.75 out of 5. Yeah. What else have we got? For some reason, um, there we go, untap, back online. Uh, Tina S. at Pomeroy's Pub, it's what everyone wants. 4.25 out of 5. Everyone's being very, very concise with their comments mm, so far. Which is a bit rude. Greg, or Greg H at Beer Deluxe Fed Square. Look, Mum, I'm on the board. And he's got a photo of the board with the name scrolling. Oh, of course, I've got the untapped, untapped boards there. 4.25. Which is kind of a nice touch. <laughs> Stu at Heartbreaker. He's. I didn't know Peter Dinklage was in T Rex. Four stars. He's taken a photo of a T-Rex um, cover that has one of the T-Rex um, band members looking like Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite cool. Yeah. Uh, Lizard Tyrant K. Interesting name. Um, yeah, look, Lizard look, Tyrant. Even if I got a terrible comment, the name just just sells Well, that's quite what I figured. First time on tap, full on hops, bitter and buttery with a sweet dry finish. A fave. Heart plus. No rating though. I, I presume it would be quite high. Well, I really, I really wanted like the comment to match how cool the name is. I feel um, like he's letting himself down. Peter J at the pirate ship. It made me listen to Guardians of the Galaxy. Four point two five out of five. Uh, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Mixed up. Rich, great, but I don't unconditionally love it. Four stars. Uh, Matt H at sixteen ton, which is a bar in Auckland that I've been to. Very good bar. 
This is always a pleasure to drink. Massive bitterness of hops with a smooth, central feeling of love. Wow, what a feeling. 4.5 stars. I like that people are getting on board with the, um, like the song lyrics and song titles and things. Yeah. yeah. Sasha W at 45 Mount Sinai Rise. Perfect after a long day at work. A long day at work, or a shortish one actually. Smiley face. Four stars. Mhm. Mm yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's and people do seem to like it, which I'm happy about. Yeah. I mean, we keep going. Um, give me a couple more. Megan T at home purchased the Hophead's Altona. Bitter, hoppy, nice, not too heavy in the taste, but death heavy in alcohol. Four stars. Hey, um, Richard, 7.5. Richard H at Freshwater. Hoppy aroma, bitter aftertaste, fresh and light, fizzy example. Uh, 3.5 out of 5. Good old uh, Chris L, who we saw at another check in. Uh, juicy, juicy hops. This bang, on. 4.5. You say this bang. This on. bang, comma, on. Okay, I, I like that even if it is a typo. Alright, one more. Uh, Johnny W at Sanctuary Lakes Resort. Another solid brew from my Poneki, Poneki Hossi. Sorry, I'm assuming that's a Kiwi word that I mispronounced. At Garage Projects Brewery. Big ups, my bros. Like, I don't know how do you describe that emoji, like the rock on sideways <laughs> hand emoji and like. Cool glasses. <laughs> also purchased the Huffheads. 3.5. So what do we think about this? Um, I'm gonna give it a 3.5. Like, I like it, but yeah, I don't think it's, um, yeah, I don't consider it to be an exceptional. You don't love it unconditionally? I don't love it unconditionally, no. No, that's right. I say it. No, I'll happily give it a 3.5. Yeah, I'm just, it's, I, maybe also I've just left it sitting here too long again mm. um, while we were talking, but. I could probably convince that 3.75 might be appropriate as well. My immediate instinct is a 3.5. I mean, I'm, I'm going 3.75. I think it's, it's... It's really good. It's very hot forward. It's smooth. It's clean. I guess... I don't know. I guess... Mate, I don't know if it's because we've just been drinking so many Nipahs lately that perhaps doesn't have that kind of tropical fruity elements to it, which I like. I don't, I don't think that's a Nipah thing because I think it's more just the, the kind of hops. I mean, you get that tropical, you get that tro those tropical notes from the hops rather than any additions. I think I tend more towards the West Coast IPAs that give me more of that tropical burst, which I guess this is just lacking, but I still really like that. 3.75, I'd happily drink it again and again. Uh, yeah, I, I'm different between, I do, I do really like it. I want to give it, I want to give it four, but I'm going to go three point seven five as well. Fair enough. That it's it is a beautiful beer though, and I'm very happy to see it wherever I do. So on that note, let's run off to the next beer. And we are on to our second IPA, and our second IPA is Fast Fashion. From and it's apparently double dry hopped, and it's from Stillwater, Stillwater Arsenal. Uh, sorry, Arsenal. Arsenal. <laughs> Stillwater Arsenal would be way more interesting. But there might be an Arsenal mm. in Stillwater. Who knows? Yeah, good point. Might be Stillwater and Arsenal. I think that could be a, be a. Is that a brewery at the Emirates? Don't believe so, but who knows? Who it's knows? A good way of making money. It would be. Yep. 
You need to pay off that stadium somehow. It's true. Is there such a thing as like having twin breweries? So then that you'd have like, you know, um, uh, there, would be st- uh, there would be a Stillwater, Stillwater and Arsenal, um, and an Arsenal and Stillwater. It's a good idea. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't see why not. Yeah. All right, uh, breweries get Was your act together. Was that kind of like the, um, some, sometimes you get the Buxton Omnipolo stuff? Mm. And sometimes they're Omnipolo breweries, beers brewed with Buxton, and other times they're Buxton uh, beers brewed with Omnipolo. And- well... Because there was a Nog Nogner and um, Bridge yeah, Road yeah. as well, mm. depending on which where you bought it. But. And and of course that there's um, that all goes back to bloody the Beatles, where you know because uh, Lennon and McCartney would write together, but if it was um, if Lennon because uh, they all they, the credits were all co-written, but if Lennon wrote it, then it would be Lennon McCartney. If McCartney wrote it, it McCartney McCartney Lennon. Yeah, too much talking. Anyway, this is fast. Fast fashion, which is double dry hopped, which is apparently a thing. Um, I can't remember what that means anymore. It means you chuck in hops at the end of the brew process, so it imparts flavour, yeah. but not okay. bitterness. Yeah, it's yeah. just throwing dry hops. Yeah. So interestingly, I know that a lot of the US brewers are up double dry hopped, or we had one yesterday at the barbecue that was triple dry hopped, which makes beers expensive because obviously hops aren't cheap, but people really. Go fat, like I see a beer that's double dry hop, like, oh, gotta mm-hmm. try that. I know it was a big one when I went to other half brewery. Like, oh, double dry hop, gotta have that, gotta have that. And I remember when we brewed Albion this time last year with um, Hop Nation. That was, uh, that was dry hopped, double yep, dry hopped. Right. And I remember the Hop Nation guys are saying pretty much all their beers are double dry hopped. But mm. they don't use it, so I don't think it's a thing. Like, a lot of beers are double dry hopped, but people in Australia just don't use it as a marketing term. I'm like, sure, good people. Mm. If you're doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah, you may as well talk it really about it. It works as a marketing term. Even though it is, it is a real thing, obviously. A lot of a lot of beers that don't say that they're double dry hopped actually are double dry hopped is the too long didn't read version. Mm. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. Interesting. Um, they're a contract brewery. So this one was so they are they are, they are based in Brooklyn. Right. This particular beer was, was brewed in Connecticut. Got it. So, what are our first impressions, Pippin? I really like it. I really like it too. I, whatever this hop is, I like. I've had this hop before. It's kind of that smooth. Doesn't say. It's a really, it's a really smooth hop. But <laughs> I don't know what that flavour is. It's very specific. And I don't know how to describe that flavour. It's almost. Almost buttery. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's very smooth. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I have had this hot before, and I like it, but I don't know what it is. It's not Citra. It's not um. Not Vic. Not, not Vic Secret. They're two hops that I like, and it's definitely not those two. Um, I'm, I'm going to find out what the hop is. Um, Jeff, do some talking. Cover for me. <laughs> what are people saying? <laughs> what are people saying? Yeah, we can we, we can cover that. Uh, someone did a late check-in. We'll deal with that person later. Um, Probably with force. Rick K, slightly sweet, tropical fruit and juicy, 4.25, purchased at Carwin Cellars. Two people are doing a late check-in. This, this, you guys just picked this beer on purpose. Didn't you? Like you'd... <laughs> yeah, so much else here. Uh, well, well, we, right. we stood in black arts and it's like, no, 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 this one, this one has late check-ins. Let's get it, let's get it. 
Um, the thing is, this is not Anipa, right? But it's definitely hazier than some of the mm, yeah. beers that people have said Anipas. Uh, Hopcat, cheering myself up with the first episode of the new Grant Chester series, which is much better. The beer features, features excellent fruit. Four out of five. Mm. Very little to do with the beer. Mm, mm. But interesting, um, interesting about the Grant yeah. Chester series. I've never heard of Grant Chester before. No, no. neither have I, but we can yeah, act yeah. like we have. Oh, so, so it is brewed with spells and oats, according to someone. I think they just read the... I don't think they did. I don't know. Because we did see one brewed with spells and oats that was next to it. Mm. I wonder if someone just read the, read the wrong label. Yeah, I can, cannot tell you what, what hop is used in this. Uh, Jan H, so this is a translated um, comment. Orange with grapefruit and okay bitter. What pulls down is a little detergent taste and some bitterness in the bitterness. Okay. It's odd. It's and an I'm odd not, comment. And I'm not really getting the orange and grapefruit. Or the detergent. No. Well, I mean, po possibly. But so definitely not orange and grapefruit. Okay, so I found a comment with this person. Um, look, look at this. How's this for a comment? Whoa. God damn it. That's um. So I'm not going to read that out because um, we don't have time. That's a proper sized phone. But they reckon it's brewed with, um, nice. they reckon it tastes like 100% Cinco hopes. Yeah. Also spelt notes, I guess this does have spelt and oat in it. Um. Does that mean it's a Nipah? Uh, uh, look, it's I mean, it is, thing, brewed, it? it is brewed in the Nipah area. Mm. You mean, um, like Reservoir? Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I guess Montmorency. Touch, on the, mm. <laughs> touch on the whole, uh, <laughs> Nipa issue another day. Uh, Terry B, light, sweet, soft body with cracker-like flavour and a faint bitterness that leads to the piney, floral, tropical hoppiness finishing dry. 3.75 out of 5. Nice. Of course, the only person whose opinion matters. Michael Helm. Hey! <laughs> hey, Michael! Didn't say anything about it. Um, 3.75. Okay, that's <laughs> suitable. Alright, uh, one more and then we'll finish up. Yeah, I'll leave that to you, Jeff. I'd just be starting from the top when I first start my scrolling. Alright, so we've got uh, Camilla B at Scatcar. Old Can, September 2018. Nondescript nose, vaguely going towards clementine slash citrus, medium body, although watery. A tad bit of grapefruit with some bitterness going on, otherwise not much. Not rating this. Possibly because it's an old can. I guess old can mm. will do that. Well, yeah. this one, just for our benefit, was packaged on the 4th of September 2018. Right. right. So this is, this is the old can. This is an old can. But there its best before is the 4th of September 2019. So that shouldn't make, that well, it doesn't make fun. Okay, so yeah, they've had this batch. So people, what do we think about this? Uh, I really like it. Yeah, I, I'm giving this a four. It's, yeah, it's really good. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm supportive of a four. Yep. That smooth buttery thing. Maybe it's the oats that's doing that. I don't know, but whatever it is, I like that mouthfeel and I like that flavour. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a four for me too. It's really well done. It's it's just easy. It's just nice. Excellent. Interesting, only averaging 3.75, both on Untapped as a whole and amongst people that I'm friends with on Untapped. So, 
I would be very curious as to know whether it was averaging for its first month, uh, um, like four, and then it's slowly dropping back as it's in order. I would assume that the percentage of check-ins though would be, yeah, check all those, you know, when the cans first came out, mm. everyone was everyone rating it in the mm. east coast mm. of the US in September. But we don't have time for that. So, this has been the Brunswick Beer Collective for another week. Uh, we have been uh, Jeffrey G. See you next time. We've been Paul Christoph. See you later. We've been me, Chris Shorten, and we will talk to you all next week.